Welcome to the Elevate Life Church podcast of the week. For more information about this podcast and other resources, visit elevatelife.com. Good morning, Elevate Life. Welcome to South Africa. Hey, um, we like to do this part in the service. We like, we like to put our hand on our hearts to so do that with me. And, and a lot of us have uh, confessions. We have things that we say about ourselves all the time. You know, science says that we talk in self-talk 40,000 words per minute. And a lot of those things that we say aren't, aren't necessarily the most positive thing. So we like to start this part in the service by just getting in a good place in ourselves and saying some things about us that God says about us. So the words are going to be on the screen, but say this with me. I am who God says I am, a child of God, the righteousness of God. I'm the apple of God's eye. I'm God's workmanship created for good works, and I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Today I open up my mind to receive the word of God so I can think like God, be like God, and do life the way God intended for me to live. Now put your hands up and say it like you mean it. Come Holy Spirit, help me elevate my thinking so I can elevate my life in Jesus' name. Amen. Give yourselves a big hand. Give God a big hand, and then you can be seated. And uh, we've had, hopefully you guys have had fun. We've had so much fun in this series, getting to go to different places throughout the world. It's been exciting. It's been great. Today, we're going to talk about it a little bit later in the service. Make sure that you turn those passports in. Make sure that you get them stamped because someone's going to win a free vacation. And uh, I hope y'all are excited about that. I'm excited for you. I am out of the running for that. Even though I've been here, for some reason, I don't get to qualify uh, for that. I'm going to have to take that up with, you know, Somebody. Um, But next week we start our family talk series. Pastor Keith and Sheila are going to be back. It's going to be a great series. Make sure that you don't miss that. We're excited they're coming back from sabbatical, from vacation, from really just refreshing. And and as a church, we're grateful that they get to do that. Well, this week we have a a little bit of a special service for you because we have really a two-part message. So um, Pastor Keith recently was in South Africa and he was with one of our great friends, Andre Olivier and his wife, Vilma, and their family. And they have, they pastor a great church in, in Santon, which is in the Johannesburg area. And, uh, what they did was they filmed a little bit, but then, uh, my dad also wanted me to share really the second part of the message. So we're going to do this first part on video and then I'm going to come back and share with you. But before we do that, can we welcome everyone that's watching online and can we welcome McKinney? We love you, McKinney. Your, your family right there in McKinney and your family right there online. We have people that watch from all, from all over the place. You know, really interesting, uh, last weekend, we had almost the same amount of people watching online that we did in all of our services together. And so we have a huge family that's everywhere, and we're so grateful to get to be together for this moment. Yeah, you can give them another big hand. So anyway, I'm going to come back and talk to you. We'll have plenty of time together. But watch this video from Pastor Keith. Hey, Elevate Life. I'm so excited to come to you from Rivers Church, not in Johannesburg, but in Santon. Santon. I wanted to get that right. Santon with my dear friend, Andre Olivier. And what you, I know I've not said this to you, but I want to say it to you in front of our church is that I think up to 50, when you're 50 years of age, uh, after 50, 
you should really not just be deciding, but you should know who your tribe is and know who you want to do life with for the rest of your life. And one of the greatest blessings in my life personally has been to come into relationship with Andre Olivier. And I just want to say that to you. And I want our people to know that. And uh, so anyway, you guys just welcome him. And we're just so glad to have you. You know, this is our staycation series. And I thought while I was in South Africa that, uh, that we would just take a moment because we're, we're talking about this weekend, uh, building a life by design. And you and I both passion the same way as it relates to leadership and life and legacy and kingdom. And, uh, and I wanted to talk about that specifically as it relates to what you've done here, but also it's more than just about a building, um, but yet let's talk about this building just for a minute before we get into our message. This is one of the most incredible buildings in the world. It really is true, right here in Santon. And when we built the building, it was built by design for people. Yeah. Didn't just want to build a monument, be creative, make a statement, become famous. Oh, yeah. that's great, the yeah. respect we've got. But we wanted it for the, to serve the people and to attract the people. Yes. So I started looking around the world at modern buildings, uh, current trends, what attracts young people. Yeah. And we went with the, what they call industrial steampunk design. And then we designed it so that it was very comfortable, the viewing from every seat, the balcony, you weren't, you weren't stuck away. It wasn't church number two. Yeah. Big screens that moved, um, LEDs, sound, the pulpit that comes out of the platform. All these things are just practical. Yeah. They fascinate, but they're practical. And then the outside made you feel it's just a great place to be. Yeah. They've got a good restaurants. They go to nice places. They go to waterfronts, reclaimed inner city buildings. Yeah. They like that whole vibe. So I thought, why not make this a place where people don't want to go home? Yeah. Meet their life partner, enjoy church, ultra modern inside, oldie outside, you yeah. know, the old world. Yeah. And it seemed to have worked. If you could describe South Africa, is it a first world country? Is it a third world country? Is it a third world country trying to be a first world country? How, how, would, you, how would you describe it? I mean, I... Yeah, it's a good question. Especially for people that have never been. In, in, for Americans looking here, they would see the first world and then they'd see the third world and they'd see like a contradiction. Yeah. But I think they call us a developing country. Okay. That means we're moving from third world to first world, so there are a lot of third world people, a lot of unemployment, 27% wow. unemployment. And then there's the very rich, they call us the most unequal country in the world. Okay. So the danger is that you can reduce everyone to a sort of median poverty, right? or you can try and elevate the poor, yeah. elevate, yes. elevate the poor. And so that's what we've tried to do as rivers. We've tried to take people and elevate their lives, feed them, elevate, elevate their thinking, they, bring them into an environment where they elevated yes. and get them thinking differently because thinking determines prosperity, thinking determines success, not environment, yeah. not circumstances, which is, is a difficult thing to say when people are facing hunger, starvation, and, and a disadvantaged background. But we feel that that's what our mandate is, yeah. to, to change the culture and to shape a new thinking through the word. So we're constantly teaching people success principles, and the environment must reflect that. Right. That this is, you know, you can't, do the, you can't live in a building like this, but gee, look what I'm part of. Yes. Look what we're doing together. So as it relates to building a life by design, how important is it to make sure that you align your life, not with American culture, not with South African culture, not with, with the, the ethnicity that you were raised in, uh, not the country that you're from, 
But really, building a life by design starts with having a kingdom mindset. Yes. And, and, and as, as a leader, as a leader in this country, how important is that? When you're, when you're teaching people that your life is either by design or by default, how do we help people understand that as it relates to kingdom culture? I think you've touched on it already, Keith. What, what you've said is we need to live by kingdom culture, not default to culture. Okay. When you're in Africa, you default to everyone coming late. Okay. You default to everyone being underprivileged, not contributing. They're the recipients. So what we've done is we've taught heaven's culture. What's the Bible teach about heaven's culture? Not American culture, not British culture, not white culture, black culture. What does it teach about heaven's culture? Well, talk about that. So heaven's what, what culture is, is, is essential. The difference? Heaven's culture is punctuality. So if you say, well, I'm African, I come later. You say, no, no, heaven's culture, whether you're white or black, whatever color or race you are, that is a dynamic that you have to embrace because the sun comes up regularly. The universe is ordered. So, so uh, kingdom culture is punctuality. Kingdom, king, kingdom culture is generosity. Mm. Whether you have little or much, it's a kingdom culture. Yes. So we build everything around the Bible. And, and I want to say this because this, this can appear offensive. There are dynamic aspects of culture like dress, food, language, clothing, customs that must be embraced and be respected. But there's sinful aspects of every culture. Right. Small-mindedness, uh, lack of punctuality, lack of generosity, exclusiveness. Those are things that need to be relegated. Yeah. And so in Africa, what we've tried to do is not impose white on black or black on white. We're a black church or a white church. What we've tried to do is bring kingdom culture yes. and bring the values of the scriptures and that way it brings everyone into a unity, even though we're in diversity in look and dress and manner. Yeah, I think uh, the scripture that comes to my mind, and I want you to really think about a scripture too, um, but the, the most obvious is, you know, Matthew 6, but seek first the kingdom mm. of God. It doesn't even say to seek God first. It says, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, righteousness there literally means to do things God's way. So seek first the kingdom of God and his way of doing things and all these other things will be added unto you. But when you think about kingdom culture, what is it that comes to your mind? Is, is there a scripture? Is there, a, is there a, a, a foundational scripture or thought that you would have? I used uh, quite a while back, I did a series called creating heaven's culture. Mm. And I did Matthew 13, you know, all the parables? Yes. The kingdom of heaven is like, the mm. kingdom of heaven is like, the man who sold everything and, and bought the field. And, and so it's a sacrificial culture. Mm. It's a commitment culture. It's a generosity culture. It's mm. a punctuality culture. It's a leadership culture. It's an honor culture. Mm. So we've taught all kingdom values rather than brought bits from the motivational world, which is not, it's not bad. No. It's just that our roots are in scripture. Yeah. And a lot of these things come out of scripture actually. So we've taught heaven's culture. And in that way, everyone buys in rather than, you know, the sense of white people are dominating us or black people are taking over this white church yeah. or the Asians feel that we have no voice or Indian people feel marginalized. Everyone embraces because it's Bible culture. Mm. And, uh, and that, that scripture really, that, that whole section of Matthew 13 was a basis for what we taught in church yeah. life. So Matthew 13, I love that. And, and you know, that when Jesus is saying the kingdom is like, what he's always doing is he's bridging the natural with the supernatural. And what we say at Elevate Life is that for everything in the natural, there is a supernatural correlation. Mm. And so uh, I think, you know, again, let's just, let's just dial it down to about four things as it relates to kingdom culture. 
that if you were going to give four things for people to focus on, really to, to, to bridge that cultural divide between we live very much in the world, we, we, our, our children are faced with counterculture to kingdom culture in schools, um, you know, our jobs, you know, nobody's thinking kingdom when we're going to work, you know, that our boss isn't thinking that way. Or uh, maybe you're, maybe you are a boss and you say, how do I bridge that gap between really what culture is and, and the dynamics that I deal with to kingdom culture? So what would be three or four things? And you've already mentioned, you know, generosity, which, which I love that. And I think when we are generous, we're the most like God. And yeah, so we've yeah. got to, we've got to understand that the basis of that is for God so loved the world that he gave. Um, but generosity, you've mentioned that. You've mentioned a commitment. Uh, you've mentioned honor. These are all honor and generosity are core values of Elevate Life Church. But I, I think those would be certainly two of the top would be generosity and honor. But what else, what else comes to your mind if you had just three or four to really emphasize? I could probably summarize it in Jesus uh, when he said, the greatest commandment is mm. love your neighbor, mm. love God and love your neighbor. And um, what we've done is all our values, like you've mentioned, generosity, yeah. it's to do with people. Yeah. Generosity is a loving thing. Uh, punctuality, it's an honor thing, it's a respect thing. Mm. When you come late, you, don't, you dishonor someone. Mm. Uh, when there's unity, it's, it's a respect. A lot of it boils down to relationships. So we've made relationships a very high priority. Mm. It's one of our core values, leadership, relationships, unity, outreach. Um, volunteering. There are a whole lot of core values, but they all boil down to loving God yeah. and loving people. Yeah. The building's been designed to enable us to love God and to love yeah. people, to make the people feel great. Yeah. So everything centers around what will help the people, what mm. will bless the people. People come and they say, your children's church is amazing. So well, we went out to impress. Yeah. We didn't build it with, you know, how can we be the best? Right. How can we help our kids? Right. How can we create an environment and an atmosphere, as you mentioned earlier? that uh, is conducive to building a self-esteem and lifting people's lives. So I think at the core of all those values would be, how can we bless God and how can we bless people? I think there's gotta be purpose and a sense of vision. Mm. If there isn't that, then you're living for yourself. Your world becomes small, becomes about your car, your house, and all those wonderful things. Yeah. You need a vision for what God wants. Mm. And so we live in the natural, we work in the natural, we succeed in the natural, but then there has to be the spiritual as mm. well. And um, we've, got to, we've got to stretch ourselves there because I don't think it, it doesn't come naturally. Yeah. It, I think it's the same with exercise. When you're exercising, it's only when the pain starts coming that you're starting to develop. Yeah. And you can exercise for 40 minutes, not feel any pain, and then you can say, I've been to gym. Yeah. But actually when the pain comes, yeah. that's when you're moving into the supernatural, if you like, yeah. and you're starting to actually develop your body. I mean, you would know that more than anyone else. Well, here's, here's what's crazy, and this is well-known research. Again, natural supernatural correlation as it relates to exercise, that, that physical exercise is the one thing that wakes up and ignites gray matter in the brain that is not used until you exercise. Wow. And so you talk about vision. It's like a breakthrough yeah. that happens. In other words, we're, we're thinking, hey, I want to be in shape, I want yeah. my heart to work good. Yeah. But it's more than that. It's, mm -hmm. It actually wakes up your brain parts of your brain that can only be stimulated through physical exercise. Amazing. But it's the same thing that you're talking about. So, so again, just, just continue on. Yeah, if you, if, you, if you wake up the physical, then the brain wakes up. I think when you wake up purpose, mm. then, then there's a whole realm that opens up mm. and you suddenly go, wow, I've been living my life small. My little home, my little world, great world maybe, mm. but now suddenly I start to see much more, mm. which I wouldn't see if I didn't push through the barriers. Yeah. Yeah. But we tend to shrink back to comfort. 
I don't like it like this. It's okay like this. It's safe like this. Uh, I, don't, I don't make any mistakes. I'm not, yeah. you know, no one's looking at me. Yeah. But we've got to stick our necks up there and you take know, a risk. I mean, the scripture that comes to mind when you're saying that is our eyes haven't seen, our ears haven't heard. Mm. It hasn't even entered the heart of man the great things that God has prepared for those that love him. What is God saying? There's more. Yes. That God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask or think. And then you could put a dot, 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 according or in harmony with the power that works within us. Within us. Yeah. So it's dependent on us yes. cooperating mm. and, and working with God that that's released. I think yeah. often we don't cooperate. It's like we're waiting for it to happen. We need to trigger it. Mm. Then we go into that supernatural realm. We start seeing things we've never seen before, start living a life we've never lived before. Mm. I've had people, and I'm sure you've had the same in your church, people who've been passive, then they suddenly start volunteering. Mm. And they say church takes on a whole different dimension. Yeah. Their, their relationships with people yeah. take on a whole new dimension. They feel a whole new sense of fulfillment. We've had many, many, many in 18 years, businesses that have been started with people serving in the parking lot, people serving backstage. All of a sudden this relationship, this alignment is formed and now they have a vision for something they didn't have a vision for before. You know, when I was growing up, my thought process was not, man, I wanna have children someday. Honestly, I did not even think like that. In fact, when, I was, when, when Sheila and I uh, first started even talking about getting married, it was like we were, we were talking about, do we want kids? And the truth is, until you align yourself with God, until you align yourself with the right people in the right place at the right time, it's only then that you can have a vision literally from God, a download from God, that, that the people that you align your life with, it's going to help birth dreams that you could not birth by yourself. But for all of you, building a life by design is within your grasp. It's within your reach. You know, when Jesus was baptized and he came up out of the water, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased, God said. And the kingdom of God is within our reach. We just have to reach for it. And that's what we wanna believe with you today, that as you're building your life, you're building a life. Listen, it's, it's either going well or it's not going well. It's going in the direction that you want it to go or it's not going in the direction that you want it to go. But that can change today, Pastor Andre. And so just, uh, just minister here a minute and let's pray for people. Let's pray together. Father, thank you for every you, person Lord. in this auditorium. Thank you for every person in this meeting, every family, but especially every man. I pray for them today that you would ignite something in them that would lead to understanding, would lead to purpose, would lead to new horizons. Let them discover that there is more and that life can be satisfying, it can be fulfilling, and it needn't be boring in any way. Unlock the spiritual, unlock the wonderful in the lives of every person in this church and bless them, I pray in Jesus' name, amen and amen. From South Africa, build a life by design, not by default. It's your choice. We're so glad that you were here today. Thank you, Pastor Andre. Can't wait till September 2018, our men's conference, Ultimate Warrior Conference. Pastor Andre is going to be our guest. It's going to be great. We love you guys. God bless you. All right. So did you guys enjoy that, that little part? And um, I want to just, um, I'm going I'm to encapsulate some of what they said, tie it all together. If you need notes, I didn't say this before, but if you need notes, the ushers have them. We, we give out note handouts so you can know where we're going and follow along. But also, if you use your phone, that's okay. You can use your phone. Go to live.elevate.life, and you can see the notes in there. You can actually take notes and email them to yourself if that's something 
that you'd like to do. So I want to go back so that we can go forward into this in this second point because you might have missed it. So we're building a life by design. The first thing we have to do in order to build a life by design, this is what Pastor Keith and Pastor Andre talked about, is we have to decide to have a kingdom mindset. A life by design means that I have a kingdom mindset. Now, what's always been interesting to me, I've grown up in church. I've grown up in church environments my whole life. I've been in church. And there's a lot of language that you're only going to hear like in Christian church environments. So if you're new to church, this word kingdom might be a little bit unfamiliar to you because in the United States of America in 2018, we don't really use the word kingdom. Like I don't go home with my family and talk about the craft kingdom that we're establishing. Right. But Jesus was being strategically uh, relevant in that day and age because there were kingdoms. They were in that in that part in history, in that place. Jews were citizens of the Roman Empire. So they were a, a part of the Roman Empire. So what Jesus was talking about was you might feel like you're a part of this kingdom, but you're a part of my kingdom. Back in the day and even today, you can recognize where someone is from mostly by how they act. So in America, many of you have probably, maybe you're from the north. You know, if you're a southerner, you call it the north. Um, but it, maybe, you're, maybe you're from the northern part of the United States of America. And when I was growing up, um, northerners didn't say, they don't say uh, yes ma'am and no ma'am and yes sir and no sir. So sometimes you can tell the, where, where someone's from from their accent. You can tell it by how they talk to people, by how they address people, by how they are with people. And so what Jesus is saying, okay, and this is how a lot of Christians uh, think. They think that being a Christian is just a part of their belief system. Or they treat it that way. I can't say whether or not people think that way. But definitely, culturally, Christians treat Christianity as just a part of their belief system. Like, I believe in God. I believe in Jesus. I'm a part of this. What Jesus was saying by saying you're a part of a kingdom is you're not just, you're not just a person that believes this. You're a person that acts like you're from here. So if I'm from Texas, especially if I'm from, if you're from the southeast, you probably have a, a really great southern drawl in the way that you talk. We don't say drawl, we say drawl. It has an L on the end of it, right? So you probably have a really great southern drawl based on where you're from. So what, so what Jesus is saying is that he came to not establish a belief system called Christianity. We don't see it as a belief system. We see it as a way of living. At least we should. Theoretically we do, but oftentimes Christians in our culture uh, don't see it as a way of living. So they don't do those two things that Pastor Andre talked about. They don't love God. They don't treat God like they love him. And so they don't treat people like they love him. So we've misinterpreted a lot of what Jesus' words were because Jesus said, you heard Pastor Keith quote it and mention it, Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, he says, Seek first the kingdom of God and its righteousness, which means God's way of doing things. Seek first the kingdom of God and God's way of doing things, and all these things will be added unto you. Right. So it's not just about the belief system. It's about doing things God's way. And none of us can read the Bible, specifically the New Testament, and think that we can be judgmental, think that we can be critical, think that we can be harsh, think that we can look at someone's lifestyle and judge them based on how, that they, how they live and who they are. What Jesus says is the two things that we should do, we should love God and we should love people. And we should be able to demonstrate that daily through the way that we are. So to have a kingdom mindset means that we act as if we're a part of the kingdom. I act as if I'm a part of the family. Some of you, uh, you're, you're from parts of the United States where there's a heavy accent. Like you could tell that Pastor Andre is from South Africa because he talks like he's from South Africa. So there should be things on us that are indicative of the culture that we're a part of. 
So I'm a part of kingdom culture, which means everything in my life should act as if I'm a part of that culture. And so we have to decide when we have a relationship with God to have this kingdom mindset. A lot of, there's a lot of things that are attached to that. One of the things that's the most important thing in a lot of ways is generosity because we put God first and we put other people second and ourselves third. So we have to constantly, if we have a kingdom mindset, we have to constantly be thinking about how we can bless other people, how we can be generous towards other people, how we can take care of people that can't take care of themselves. In many ways, in a church environment, that's expressed through offerings and through our giving. But we always want to challenge you to do way more than that. Don't just be a person that gives in an offering. Be a person that's just generous in your lifestyle and generous in, in who you are. You heard Pastor Jeremy share a little bit ago about how his encouragement to his son, to Josiah, was to be a giver with his brother. That has nothing to do with giving an offering. That just has to do with being a giver to someone who's not able to have a job right now. And in a, in a very practical way, in our church right now, I want to just draw your attention to this because some of us, it's really easy to walk by and think that's just another thing to throw money at. But it's important to us that you, you probably have seen the past couple weeks, if you've been here, there's tables throughout our lobby that have school supplies and backpacks and things like that at them. And, and we're not asking for, you know, $500 to buy someone a backpack. We're not asking for $200. We're not asking for $100. We're not asking for $50. But there's kids who... Who really like wants school supplies? Nobody. Like if you, if you, I'm giving you like a pro tip. I'm only 31 now. I'm only 31 and I have a nine month old baby. And I know if I give her a pencil, she's going to be happy about it. But when she's five, if for her birthday, I say, man, I got you some notebooks. Aren't you excited? Like, not really. I got you some, I got you a ruler and a protractor. Isn't that great? And maybe she's super into math and like, I would love that because I'm awful at math. But most kids don't care about school supplies, but there's kids in our community that every year they start the school year and they don't have notebooks, they don't have binders, they don't have a backpack to put stuff in. They're not set up for success and they can't take care of themselves. So a kingdom mindset means that I find ways to take care of people that can't take care of themselves. So as a church, and I'm just, I'm just being practical, I'm not trying to guilt trip anybody, but as a church, strategically throughout the year, we have opportunities for us to participate in giving outside of just putting your money in an offering bucket, but giving directly towards people whose lives are going to be majorly impacted because of that. So if I have a kingdom mindset, that means I intentionally and strategically find ways to take care of people that, that can't take care of themselves, to love people the way that God loves them. So that's, that's the first thing. And I don't mean to re-talk re through that point, but I think it's important that we understand kingdom mindset means I act like I'm from there. The second thing in your notes is to have a, to build a life by design means that I think alignment more than I think assignment. And I'll get into that in just a second. In Psalm chapter one, the Bible says this, this is what David says. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked or stand around with sinners or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They're like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither and they prosper in all that they do. So David says, oh, the joys of people who don't hang out with these kind of people, sinners, mockers, wicked people, they delight in the law of the Lord. So to, in the Bible, alignment's really important. And when we talk about alignment, we talk about who are you doing life with? Who are the people that you're around the most? Who are the people that you decide to connect with? There's a tale um, of an African king 
that he had a best friend and they'd grown up together. And uh, this African king was a lot like some of us in this room, probably very cynical, was very good at finding the dark in very light places, could always just point out, oh, that's what's wrong with everything. So his friend, uh, whenever they would get together, no matter what happened in their life, no matter what happened when they were together, his friend would say, this is good. They would just say, this is good. So it occurred as they grew up that the king and his best friend were on a hunting trip and they were loading the rifles and Back in the day, there was a lot of, in the early period of shooting guns, there was a lot of accidents that could happen with guns backfiring and blowing up and things like that. And so the king had loaded his rifle wrong, and when he went to pull the trigger, the gun exploded, and uh, his thumb, his thumb kind of went with it. And so his friend, seeing this, this brutal accident that had happened, said, this is good. The king said, how can this be good? This is not good. As soon as they got back to the city, he was so mad at his friend that he threw his friend in jail. Sometime later, the king by himself, he didn't have his friend anymore. His friend was in prison. Sometime later, his friend, or the king, went on a hunting trip by himself. Now he found himself in a place that he'd never been before, in a place that was pretty far away from his kingdom. And he, he ran into a tribe of cannibals. And they, they had assumed, or they had decided that they were going to eat him. They were going to eat this king. And as soon as they saw the place where his thumb had, was not there anymore, uh, they decided they couldn't eat him because in their culture, to eat, an un, uh, to eat an unwhole person was a bad omen. So upon the king's uh, return, as soon as he got back to the city, he was so excited. He went to his friend, got him out of jail. Who knows how long he'd been in jail. Got him out of jail. And he said, I'm sorry, you were right. It was good that I lost my th thumb. And I was wrong. It was wrong of me to put you in jail. And the friend just looked at him and said, it was good. So I don't know if this guy in Africa was like the African version of Hodor, but he just said it was good. The king was, the king was like, what do you mean? You know, what do you mean it was good? Uh, and, and his friend said, because if you hadn't put me in jail, I would have been with you on that trip. <laughs> so that's like an African version of a dad joke. So we need to have in our life, when I'm talking about alignments, I'm talking about good relationships in every area of our life, good business relationships, good personal relationships, whatever relationships that we have, we need to have good relationships. And a lot of us, we can easily, if you're more introverted, I'm more introverted. So a lot of us can easily slip into this lone wolf mentality of I don't need people around me and I don't need relationships. I'm just going to do my thing myself and I'm going I'm to go my own way so to speak, and, and many of us have heard these sayings and these quotes that say there's no such thing as a self-made man and the lone wolf thing. Um, one man changing the world has only ever happened with Jesus and with comic books. And so one of those is a myth. The other one is, uh, is real, and I'll let you decide which one you want to believe is your belief system, okay? So why do I need good relationships? A lot of us can sit here and say, hey, why do I need good relationships? What's the importance of that? So I want to give you some, some scientific studies, statistics that show you why it's important for us to have good relationships. A review of 148 studies, 148 different studies with 148 different groups of people nationwide found that people with strong social relationships are 50% less likely to die prematurely. According to research by psychologist Sheldon Cohen, college students reported having, who reported having strong relationships were half as likely to catch a common cold when exposed to the virus. And an AARP study with older, with older people ex 
found that loneliness is a significant predictor of poor health. A survey by the National Bureau of Economic Research with 5,000 people in the survey found that doubling your group of friends has the same impact on your well-being as a 50% increase in your income. So what happens if I don't have good relationships? Loneliness has long been commonly associated with depression. In 2012, a study of breast cancer patients found that those with fewer satisfying social connections experienced higher levels of depression, pain, and fatigue. The authors of the same study also found a correlation between loneliness and immune system dysfunction, meaning that a lack of social connections can increase your chances of becoming sick. And then the University of Chicago studied 229 adults over five years and found that loneliness could predict higher blood pressure even years later, indicating that the effects of isolation have long-lasting consequences. We are created, no matter what our, what our, you know, where we fall on the spectrum of introversion to extroversion, we are created to have relationships. We're created to be social beings. We're created to be around people and to be with people and to do life with people. And you heard Pastor Keith mention at the end and, and Pastor Andre go into what we're talking about, that alignments are really what determine your next level in your life. Jim Rohn is a famous motivational speaker, author. He said, we're the average of the five people we spend the most time with. There's a, there's a man by the name of Jim Collins. He wrote an amazing book called Good to Great. I'm sure many of you have read it. And this is what he talks about in his book. He says, you're a bus driver. The bus, your family, your company is at a standstill and it's your job to get it going. You have to decide where you're going, how you're going to get there and who's going with you. Most people assume that great bus drivers read leaders, parents, etc. immediately start the journey by announcing to the people on the bus where they're going, setting a new direction by articulating a fresh vision. In fact, leaders of, leaders of companies, organizations, businesses, families, environments that go from good to great start not with where, but they start with who. They start by getting the right people on the bus, the wrong people off the bus, and the right people in the right seats. And they stick with that discipline, first the people, then the direction, no matter how dire the circumstances. In John Maxwell's book, The 21 Irrefutable Laws of Leadership, he has a law that he calls the law of the inner circle. He says a leader's potential is determined by those closest to him. Jesus himself, he had 12 disciples. He had a lot of people he did life with. He had 12 disciples. Jesus had three people that he considered his inner circle, and those are Peter, James, and John. And you can read about them in the New Testament. Who we decide to do life with is more important than what we do. But if we decide to not have a kingdom mindset in our life, if we decide to be the kind of person that's chasing the assignment over the alignment, then we're going to miss the power of alignment in our lives. So if I'm the kind of person, to be practical, that says I'm going to move because I got a job opportunity, I'm not thinking assignment. I'm not, I mean, I'm not thinking alignment. I'm thinking assignment. I'm thinking, I got to go do this assignment because this, because this is more important than who I'm doing life with. And if I don't take, take advantage of the assignment, then I'm not going to be successful in life. I'm not going to realize my dreams. I'm not going to realize my goals. These different things are going to happen, aren't going to happen based on that. And what God is trying to teach us in our life, what he's trying to show us if we have a kingdom mindset, is that if you can decide who you're going to do life with, 
you don't have to spend a bunch of time worrying about the assignment. Because if you read the book, Good to Great, and I'm not equating the, the book Good to Great to the Bible, but Good to Great is a really practical book. But if you, if you read that book, what, what, the book will, what the book shows and what even the Bible itself shows um, is that when you get the right people on the bus, they all want to head in the same direction anyway. So my dad says you'll never be the right person until you line up with the right people. And so many of us in life, we feel like we have a dream. We feel like we have a goal. We feel like we have a purpose. We feel like we have something that we're trying to build, something that God's called us to. In fact, many of you are probably in this church today because you got moved here or you took a job here and you ended up finding this place. That's awesome. And we celebrate that. The Bible says those who are planted in the house of the Lord will flourish. So what that means is you got to find your tribe. You got to figure out who you're going to do life with and let everything else come after that as a result of that. Because what you need are great relationships. You don't need the next job. You don't need to make more money. That's not going to be where you find fulfillment. And we've all heard that. We've all said it. We all can keep talking that same talk that we've always talked. And, and so often, like we understand making more money isn't going to be the thing that solves my problems. But what do we do? We end up chasing money. Getting this job, having this position, that's not going to be the thing that figures it all out. But we end up doing that. We end up living our lives that way. We think, oh man, if I have that job, if I'm at that place, if I'm doing this, if I'm doing that. When really, what God's trying to get us to understand according to his word is the most important thing is who you're doing life with. Most important thing is who you decide to surround yourself with. Because who you do life with will determine where you go. This is the kind of stuff that we teach our kids about. This is kind of stuff that we talk about in high school assemblies when we travel with Strike Force. And I can, I can show you that you talk to your kids about this because at some point, if your kids are getting older, they've been around some friend that said something stupid for them to do and they went and all did some stupid stuff together. And then they came back and told you, they said, well, you know, they told me to do it, so I went and did it. And your response for the past 500 years has been, well, if they told you to jump off a cliff, would you go do that too? That's the power of alignment. It's the power of relationship. So if my friend, if someone who I'm close to, if my group of friends around me, if my peer group says, hey, let's all go this direction, peer pressure is a real thing no matter how old you are. I'm going to go that direction. I'm going to go wherever those people are going. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not stronger than them. I don't have some kind of strength of character that's, that's like massive and unbelievable, but I have to decide who I'm going to do life with because who, I, who I'm doing life with is going to determine where I go in life. So my challenge to you today is be a person that thinks more about who you're doing life with than what you're doing. Because who you're doing life with, whether you realize it or not, whether I realize it or not, who we're doing life with will determine what we do. And it will determine the success of what we do. The amazing thing about each person's story in this room is that if you have, if you have a close, if you have a relationship with God or if you feel like God's done some powerful stuff in your life, when you tell your story, you probably tell your story and then at some point in your story, you say, and then I met this person. Or then I had a conversation. Or then this person came into my world. See, what God's trying to do is he's constantly trying to bring us right alignments. He's constantly trying to bring us into relationship with people that can help us go to our next level, whatever that next level looks like. The way we talk about it here at Elevate Life is when you get in the right place, at the right time, with the right people, the right things will happen. So many people are worried about the timing and they're worried about the places and they're worried about the things. And God says, worry about the people first. Once you're with the people, you can figure everything else out. But if you got the wrong people, the bus isn't going to go where it needs to go anyway.
So in a practical sense, how do I choose right alignments? How do I know whether or not someone is a good alignment for me? How do I know whether or not someone's a good relationship for me? The first thing, it's right there in your notes, is choose people, choose friends, choose people in your life that have character. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, do not be deceived because bad company corrupts good morals, good character. I can say all day I have character, but if I hang out with low character people, I will not have character for very long. If I'm, and and there's a, a lot of this happens in the business world, right? Where we're an entrepreneur and we get an opportunity to do business with somebody, but they're kind of shady. We think, well, I don't have to let them rub off on me because I can make some money if we do this deal together. And then everyone who's ever said that finds themselves in a place where they're down a road that they didn't want to go down because they decided to, to do company with this person. Many of us in this room, in our, in our business environment, in our business lives, we've had that experience where maybe there was a great financial opportunity, but then we got hooked up with the wrong person. And because we got hooked up with the wrong person, it created all kinds of headaches in our life that we never thought would happen based on the person, not based on the opportunity. So if we live our lives chasing the opportunity and we miss out on the people, then the opportunities will never be what they seem to be anyway. So I have to choose people in my life, number one, that have good character. They have integrity, just period. So whatever integrity is, I have to choose to be around people that are like that. Second thing, I have to choose friends that are headed, that are where I want to be, or they're headed there. Proverbs chapter, 12, chapter 13, verse 20 says, walk with the wise and become wise, associate with fools and get in trouble. A lot of, a lot of times we end up choosing relationships or business relationships or whatever these relationships are just because we like people. It's important to like people. It's important to, you know, love everyone and, you know, be at least acquaintances with people. But the people that we decide to do life with have to be where we want to be or they have to be headed there. Because no matter what, we're going to head to where our friends are or where our friends are going. Number three, we got to choose friends that value the right things. Proverbs chapter 16 says, violent people mislead their companions, leading them down a harmful path. When the Bible says violent, what it means is lawless. So people that have no standards, have no morals, have no values, they lead people down a wrong path. In my, in my life, I remember when I graduated from high school, I realized that a lot of my friends in high school, I had relationships with based on the fact that we were close together. Like they're just proximity based. So I was in class with them every day, I was in school with them every day, and we were just friends based on that. And we had some common interests that, that commingled together. All of a sudden, I graduated high school and I started to think about what I wanted my life to look like and what I wanted to value. And all of a sudden, I found myself diverging a little bit from people that I liked. Yes, totally. But at the same time, people that did not value what I valued. So if I establish values in my life, then I'm going to have strategic friendships based on what it is that I value. So if I value honor, like you heard Pastor Keith and Pastor Andre talk about, if I value honor, then I'm not going to be around people who are dishonorable. If I value having a positive attitude, it's going to be difficult for me to be around people that are negative. If I value generosity, then it's going to be hard for me to be around people that are stingy. So if I, have, if I place a value system in my life and I live by that value system, then I need to find friends and relationships and business opportunities and all that different kind of stuff based on the things that I decide to value. If I value loving God, if I, put, if I decide I'm going to put God first in my life, and my relationship with Jesus is the most important thing to me. My best friends will also feel the same way. 
That doesn't mean I won't do life with people that don't feel the same way because God doesn't want us to be weird and to only be friends with people that are Christian. He wants us to go out into the world and embrace people and bring them in. But he doesn't want those people to be our best friends. When I was in, when I was in school, in youth ministry, Pastor Jeremy and Chris, I don't talk like this, but I grew up in environments where people talk like this. And we use a term in the church world called missionary dating. Now, that's another one of those terms that you're only going to hear in church, missionary dating. Missionary dating means you're, you're saved, you got, a, you got a right relationship with God, but that person that you like isn't. And so what you can do is you can reach them if you date them and if you hang out with them, you can probably reach them with uh, the love of God. Can I tell you, there's really not a lot of examples out there of that working. Because who I choose to do life with, my best friends, I'm going to go to where they are. They're not going to come to me as the lone wolf. So when I was growing up in... in Student ministry, when I was a student, everyone was talking about don't do missionary dating. That's not a thing. So let's not be those people that think that we're going to be the one. We're not Jesus. We're not going to walk into the room and be the one person that solves everyone's problems. So we have to do life. Our close friendships have to be people that value what we value and are headed where we're headed. And the last thing, choose friends that make you better. Proverbs chapter 27 says, as iron sharpens iron, so, so a friend sharpens a friend. One of the things that, that my dad's taught me from the time I was a young kid is that your best friends are the people that get in your way on the way down. A lot of us are looking for friends that'll just go down with us. When really what God wants us to do is to have people in our life that will stop us from being stupid. You'll have people around, in your life around you that say, hey, you're being an idiot right now. You, you need to lock it up, chill out, get your head right, and let's move forward. Because there's times for all of us in our life where we are in a, in a really dumb place. And we're like one bad decision away from blowing the whole thing up. And um, you clap for the next part. We're, if you're in a dumb place, we're not clapping that you're in. <laughs> we're one bad decision away from everything falling apart. And we got to have people around us that say, hey, wait a second. I love you. I care about you. And I'm going to be honest with you, but I'm going to speak the truth in love so that we can get to a better place, so that I can help you get to a better place. That's what true friendship is. So if you don't have friends like that, yeah, we can clap for that part. That's good. If you don't have friends like that, pray about it. Find friends like that. Hopefully this church is the kind of place where people can have those kinds of relationships. That's what we want. And that's the power of community. That's the power of church. The power of church is not what we're doing right now. The services are important. They're significant. It's great for all of us to get together. It's what happens in between the Sundays. What happens in between the Sundays is people do life together. And they get to know each other. And they care about each other. And they're there for each other. And they're with each other. And that's what God, God meant to establish when Jesus came to the earth. And he said, I'm going to establish my kingdom. I'm going to establish a culture and a family that people can be a part of. And they're not perfect. They don't have everything figured out. But they can love each other in the midst of all the mess. We can be there for each other. And so often we spend so much time, right, chasing opportunities, chasing assignments, chasing the thing that we feel like is going to take us to the next level. When God's process, God's methodology is not assignment. God's methodology is alignment. So if I get around the right people, God will help me, help me find the right things that I need to be doing. But so many people make it about the things, not the who's. They make it about the what's, not the who's in their life. And my challenge to you today 
is number one, have a kingdom mindset. Realize where you're from and who you are and who God created you to be. Number two, decide to be around the right people. And there's a lot of things we can worry about. All of us are trying to figure out how to be successful. We're trying to figure out how to live our life. And it's really easy. If you boil it down to these two things and you spend some time focusing on these two things, I promise you God will take care of the rest. Can you bow your heads and close your eyes with me? You know, where this really, where this really all starts for all of us is it starts with us getting in the right place with God because you got to choose to be a part of the kingdom. And the way I would say the kingdom of God in our 2018 vernacular way of speaking is you got to choose to be a part of the family. You got to choose to join this thing because God, God loves you and he's for you. He created you. He's given you a purpose. He's given you a destiny. And you heard Andre say in that video, Pastor Andre, he said, when, when purpose wakes up, God wants to awaken this purpose inside of you. You're, you were made for more. You're made for more than you're thinking about. You're made for more than what you're processing right now. You heard Pastor Keith say, no eye has seen, no ear has heard, no mind has conceived the great things that are in store for you. God wants this, this, this life to happen for you. And that starts with choosing to be a part of this family, choosing to be a part of this culture. And the thing is, you might be sitting out there and you know, maybe, this, maybe you're feeling like this is for you, whether you're watching online or watching in McKinney or whatever. Maybe you're feeling like this is for you, but you've been hurt by the church. You've been hurt by Christians. You, you feel like it's like this fake game that people are playing just society and culturally. And my challenge to you is be a real one. Let's, let's, let's be those people that say, you know what, this is going to resonate with me enough to, to change some things in my life so that people can see that this God thing, God thing works. The Bible says the goodness of God leads people to a place of repentance. So God's heart for you today is not that you would feel shame, not that you'd feel condemnation, not that you would feel guilt, but that you would just feel his overwhelming love. The fact that he's so for you, he's so on your side. If he didn't have a great purpose and a great destiny for your life, you wouldn't be alive today. But you're alive today, you're here, you're where, you're, you're where you are and you're breathing. As long as you've got life in your body, you've got a great purpose that God wants to use you for. So maybe for the first time or maybe for the first time in a long time, you need to make that decision to align your life with the life that God has for you. We just wanna give you an opportunity as a church. With every head bowed and every eye closed, I'm not gonna do anything weird, we're not gonna do anything strange, but I just wanna count you in a prayer. Because this is the moment that all of us are, have been waiting for up to right now. Maybe you walked into this place and you felt nervous and you felt unsure. You felt like this might not be the place for you. This is the place for you. This is the time for you. God wants to meet you right where you're at and he loves you right where you're at. So if you're here with every head bowed and every eye closed, whether you're in McKinney or here in Frisco, can you just, can you just raise your hand so that I can see you because I want to pray for you? Is there anybody in this room that says, you know what, I got to get it right with God, whatever that means. I got to get it right with him. And, and, I, and I know I need to do that, and I want to do that right now. I can see your hands. Is there anybody else? I just want to give you an opportunity. You can put your hands down. So everyone that can hear my voice, whether you're online, in McKinney, here in Frisco, I want you to pray this prayer and repeat after me. Say, Dear Jesus, come into my heart. Forgive me of my sins. Thank you for your love. I ask for forgiveness for anything that I've done. I pray that you'd set me free right now from anything that's holding me back. Thank you for my purpose, for my destiny. Thank you for loving me. 
In your name I pray. Amen. Can we give those people that made that decision a big hand? Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. Make sure to get your copy of Pastor Keith Craft's book, Your Divine Fingerprint, and visit elevatelife.com for other exciting new content from Elevate Life Church.